Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Redlands campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Hey, if you've got a Bible, why don't you open it with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 10. And uh, today we are continuing the parable series. And if you are new to church and unfamiliar with the things of Jesus, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly truth. And over the last three or four weeks, we've been looking at a number of different parables that Jesus shared to those whom he was encountering and ministering to during his time here on earth. And uh, it's been a wonderful series. You know, we've, we've learned about the rich fool, the persistent widow. Uh, we've learned about a lot of things through this series of uh, or called the parables. And today I'm looking at the parable of the Good Samaritan. Hands up if you've heard the term Good Samaritan at one point in your life. Absolutely, it's become a term that we know well. It's a term that Jesus did not mention or say himself at all. But as you read the story, uh, you'll see that it speaks of a Good Samaritan. And over the years, scholars have just labeled that passage of Scripture as the Good Samaritan. But if you open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, uh, you'll see that in verse 25, uh, Jesus encounters a lawyer. Are there any lawyers here this morning? Just in case I need you in the future. Any lawyers? No, no lawyers? Awesome. But Jesus had been going around. He had been teaching. He had been performing miracles. He then encounters a lawyer who asks him a question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, this question, believe it or not, was one of great importance in ancient Israel, unlike today in what I call the age of distraction. You know, we're so consumed by what's going on around us, by what's in front of us, by what we possess, the challenges that are before us, that the things of eternity have drifted away. But it's still an important question. And this expert of the law rocks up and says to Jesus, how must I or how can I gain eternal life? And then in good old Jewish fashion, Jesus flips it back to him and says, what's written in the law? And then the expert of the law refers to Deuteronomy 6, 5, and he says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. We've all heard that one, right? One of the great summaries of all that God wants for his creation and ultimately for those who follow him. And then Jesus, I'll get to the text in a second, and then Jesus in a very hypothetical way says, do that and you will live. But he was being hypothetical because we know that that salvation cannot be achieved through good works. It comes only by grace through faith in Jesus. The expert of the law was a little taken back by this hypotheticality. Is that even a word? Did I make one up just then? Does it work? Yeah, right, it works. He was a little taken back by the cynicism. And then he says, okay, then, well, who is my neighbor, O wise one? And that's when Jesus gives us the story of the great Samaritan. So let me read it for you. Luke chapter 10, verses 30 to 37. It says this, And then Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, 
beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And then he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and then took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And then he turned to the expert in the law and he said, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And then Jesus says, and he's not being hypothetical, go and do likewise. Hey, let me pray, then I'm going to unpack this for us today. God, we thank you this morning for this opportunity we have to gather as your people and to exalt you to the highest possible place. God, this morning, I don't know where we are all at, but if there is a need for anyone in this room to confess sin and to put you in your rightful place as number one on the throne of their hearts and lives, God, I ask that by your grace you would receive their confession this morning. We exalt you to the point of God and King in our hearts and in our lives. And God, as we have worshipped you this morning, we want to make that a lifestyle. And a part of this is to enjoy what your word has to say to us. And God, I pray that as we spend time in, in another parable taught by Jesus, the one of the Good Samaritan, God, I pray that there would be a fresh revelation for us today. God, I ask that by your spirit, you would speak to us on a deeper level about what it means to be a good Samaritan. So Father, help me as I present your word. May it fall on good soil in this room. God, give us hearts today that are filled with good soil so that your word would take root, so that we would see green just grow and flourish and blossom in our lives. God, I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, as I mentioned before, the word good Samaritan is a well-known word. We have all heard it a lot. And if you were to read the parable like we just did, I think it's safe to say that the definition of a good Samaritan is somebody that helps others at their own expense. It is somebody that helps others at their own expense. And so in today's day and age, a good Samaritan would be somebody who might help the elderly cross the road or help the elderly to push their shopping cart out of Eldie and into the car park that's right next door. You know, a good Samaritan might be someone who tends to the needs of one who has been hurt or has been injured. You know, a good Samaritan might be someone who cares for the sick and who provides food and clothing and shelter to those who desperately need it. You know, a good Samaritan might be someone who gets along those who are struggling financially and helps them to budget and to save and to invest in all the right places. And our good Samaritan might be someone who shouts the pastor and his family on a great holiday over to Europe or on a piano because they're just great people. You know, we call them, I don't know what's so funny about that last one, 
but we call them Good Samaritans. You know, today, today, I want to share with us what I think is a deeper meaning behind this story of the Good Samaritan. Because as we take it at face value, it's obvious that a Good Samaritan is someone who helps others at their own expense. But today, I believe that there is a deeper lesson, a deeper meaning that God by His Spirit is going to use to encourage us and to grow us so that we can indeed help those in our community, our nation, and our world. But in order for us to understand this deeper meaning, the deeper lesson I reckon God has for us, I'd like to unpack a little bit of the context behind this parable for us this morning. If you turn your attention back to Luke chapter 10, verse, uh, verse uh, let's say from 30, just continue to gaze over it because I'm going to refer to this parable. And one thing you'll see is that Jesus talks about a man who was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. I've been to both places, just in case you're wondering. Just keep dropping that in there every now and then, don't I? But Jesus talks about a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. You know, this is a northwest trip. If you were to look at the map of Israel, at the top you would see Galilee, in the middle Samaria, and south of Samaria, Judea. The, the, the Jews would often live in Galilee and Judea, and if they were traveling from one to the other, more often than not, they would want to skip Samaria. They would want to go around it. So they would take a path that led northwest through Jericho, up around, and eventually into the Galilean area. But this road that they would take was a well-known road and often used by Jews traveling between the two cities, but it was also a very dangerous road. And as this picture comes up on the screen, you will see that the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, uh, it is windy, it is dry, it runs along the side of a cliff face, and this actually creates ideal hiding places for robbers and for thieves. So when Jesus used the parable of the Good Samaritan, uh, it would make sense to them. They know the road, they know the, the geography, the layout, they know how dangerous it can be, especially when it comes to robbers. And the reason why Jews would you know, take this route around Samaria to either Jerusalem or if they're coming back the other way is because when the northern kingdoms were conquered, or the northern kingdoms of Israel were conquered by Assyria, the captivated Jews would intermarry with the Assyrians, and then they settled where they now call Samaria. And as a result, they would then worship the gods of Assyria, so they worship false gods, and they would often go up to the temple area in Jerusalem and pour things like pig's blood, yuck, I know, right? I just saw a couple of faces screw up there, pour it out into the temple area of the Jews in Jerusalem to make the place unclean, and in so doing, cause friction between themselves and the Jewish people. So the Jews, over time, developed this hatred for the Samaritans. They, they developed a hatred. And in fact, they not only hated the Samaritans, but they called them half-breeds. Any half-breeds here this morning? I'm just kidding. Don't worry about that one. But that's how the Jews described the Samaritans, as half-breeds and as the unclean. It was an us-and-them situation. 
And while this man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, robbers appeared, they beat him, they took his clothes, and they left him for dead lying on the ground. But this is where the story gets really interesting, all right? Jesus then talks about the priests and the Levites. He says here in, uh, in uh, where are we? Uh, verse 31 to 32. He says, a, pre, uh, a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now, we might look at that and go, yeah, that's, that's unhelpful. That's not being a good Samaritan. I'm not sure if they wanted to be a good Samaritan because priests and Levites are people who did the work of God on behalf of the people. So they were Jewish. They would you know, provide the sacrifices. They would lead uh, the gatherings. They would help observe the, the festivals and the holy days and so on. They, they, these are Jewish folk. And, um, and what's interesting is Jesus begins to use the priest and the Levites as an example of those who would not receive eternal life. Get back to that question from the lawyer. What must I do to receive eternal life? Jesus doesn't use his own people to talk about how one would receive eternal life. He actually uses his own people as examples on who would not receive eternal life, and he gives this example. You know, I've read this parable a number of times, and, and I think, yeah, you know what, that's, that's a tough gig, man. Why would, why would you do that? You know, I, I've wondered, why did the priests and the Levites pass by? Why did they just walk by and do anything and not do anything? And it also made me wonder if there's a little bit of the priest and the Levite in all of us. You know, to be honest, and I'm not proud about this, but to be honest, you know, I've, I've walked past some people in need before. You know, as I've walked around the city or in other cities around the world, you know, I've walked past people that have been begging for money. And I can honestly say, and once again, I'm not proud of this, I haven't given any money. You know, I've also walked around the streets when, you know, I've passed people who obviously have no place to call home. And I've just kept walking. And I remember um, a bunch of years ago, Jackson and I were uh, over in the States and uh, we were returning home or back to our hotel from a uh, Golden State Warriors game in San Francisco. And uh, I remember as we were walking late at night, it was past his bedtime, but we were walking back to the hotel late at night, it was freezing cold, and we saw a family of five sitting next to a bin, absolutely freezing their socks off. And at that point, I walked by. Jackson, on the other hand, he may not remember this, but as we walked by, he asked me, can we take that family home or can they stay with us? And what do you think my answer was? Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, yeah, you'd, you'd think so. I'm burying my soul here today. I'm burying my soul. But it, it was a no. And I began to think, you know, why is it a no? I remember this, this conversation I was having in my head that very night. I was like, you know, well, quite frankly, I'm tired. I just want to go home. It's cold. Plus, the room only has two beds. You know, maybe I, you know, it was a matter of time. I just don't have the time to invest in it. You know, and I know for the rest of you, and as I think about the Levites, you know, I wonder what was going through their mind for them to walk by. You know, they too may not have had the time. 
You know, perhaps they needed to pick the kids up from soccer practice. Maybe there was a gathering of 300 people at their local synagogue that they had to go to and facilitate and, and lead in worship. You know, maybe there was some uncertainty around the situation. You know, maybe the man who had been beaten, you know, maybe he was the victim of his own decision-making. Maybe he was being a public nuisance and someone sorted him out and therefore he got what he deserved. You know, or, or maybe as, as this priest and this Levite looked at a man who looked half dead, covered in blood, maybe they thought, well, he's unclean and therefore they can't touch that person because religiously they too would become unclean. Or maybe as they looked at this man laying in desperate need of help, maybe they thought, well, you know what? He's a Samaritan. I don't like Samaritans. He's one of those half-breeds. He's one of those, you know, unclean kind. And therefore, they decided to pass by and walk on the other side of the road. I don't know why the Levites passed by, why the priest passed by someone who obviously needed help. But Jesus uses his very own as an example for what it, or for those who will not receive eternal life. Us and them. And this is where the story goes down another level. Now, this, is, this is where, as I was preparing this message, I became particularly challenged. All right? Because Jesus then flips from the Jews, the priests and the Levites, should I say, over to the Samaritans or the Samaritan. And Jesus uses someone from a group who are considered unclean and half-breeds as an example of what those who receive the kingdom of heaven and eternal life look like. This is like a mic drop moment. This is Jesus just flipping this script. He, he flips it. And the reason is because of this us and them thing between the Jews and also the Samaritans. The us and them thing that, that is, I believe, going to challenge us significantly here this morning. Who loves a good sporting rivalry? Come on, who loves a good sporting rivalry? Yeah, absolutely. Now, Australia and England in test cricket. The All Blacks and the Wallabies in rugby union. You know, Holden and Ford and V8 supercars. You know, the world and New South Wales and state of origin. You know, Rowan Rajan and Aaron Howard in the ESPN Spelling Bee competition. You know, these are good rivalries. You know, we all love a great rivalry. And, uh, mate, you know, the us and them mentality in sport, you know, is phenomenal. I love it. I love it. But, you know, this us and them idea, which can be seen in sporting clubs and sporting arenas around the world, actually finds its roots within the tribes and nations of history. You know, there are, there are groups and there are races and there are people who have been formed on the back of preference and experiences and so on. And at the core of this us and them mentality and these groups that have formed around the world are some of the basic needs of humanity. You know, relationships, identity, sustainability, security. When anything threatens those things, the walls go up, the judgment goes up, and therefore we defend our property and no one dare threaten that. Good rivalry. Well, this is what's happening in this parable. The Jews who thought they were the chosen ones. Jesus comes, makes it very clear that God loves everybody. 
and he's made a way for everybody to be saved from their sins and to be a part of his family. And as he's going around dealing with his own people, helping them to break free from religion and religiosity and all that kind of stuff, he uses his own people as an example of what those who won't receive eternal life look like, but then he uses a Samaritan to say, hey, this is what it looks like. And then Jesus, Jesus gives us this great picture that somehow suggests or that may even suggest that the Samaritan is closer to the kingdom of God than a pious but unloving Jewish Levite and priest. Because Jesus then says after that in verse 36 to 37, have a look at it in your text, after responding to the expert of the law, giving the three examples, priest, Levite, and Samaritan, Jesus says to the lawyer, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers? And the lawyer replied, the one who had mercy on him. And then Jesus said, go and do likewise. So what's the deeper meaning? You know, the good Samaritan is somebody that helps others at their own expense. That's that's the common understanding we have of it. But in this parable, when we think about the us and them, the way Jesus used the priest and the Levite and the Samaritan, I think the deeper lesson here about the good Samaritan and what that means is that it's not only somebody who helps others at their own expense, but it's somebody who helps those with difference at their own expense. Someone with difference. And the difference here is obviously racial, it's religion, but in our world today, there's a lot of difference. It could be the race, it could be their lifestyle choices, it could be their opinions, it could be their theological positions, it could be the way they choose to live their lives. I think the challenge for us this morning as we read the parable of the Good Samaritan is that we are to help others at our own expense, but those others aren't just the ones that we agree with, that we are friends with, but instead also those who are people of difference to us. Different opinions, beliefs, theological preferences, lifestyle choices, the whole thing. That is the challenge. And as I was preparing this message, there was a part of me, and here I go again, man, here I go again. There was a part of me that was thinking, goodness, crikey me. And I don't use those words very often, so I must be serious. Goodness, crikey me, that's not easy at times, right? That's not easy at times. You know, when you think about those who have, who, who, let's say, have hated on you, those who have hurt you, those who have cast you aside because of your beliefs, your opinions, your preferences, that can be hurtful. And all of a sudden, our walls go up, The judgments go up, it becomes an us and their mentality, and then the way we be a good Samaritan is refined only to those who do share our beliefs, our opinions, and the way we live our lives. It's hard to be a good Samaritan to those with difference, and it's hard for me. You know, for me personally, those that I find really frustrating, here we go, are those who campaign for things like individualism, you know, which is essentially the, the freedom of choice, you know, the, the, the ability to make not the right decision, but any decision they want, you know, that, that really concerns me. Campaigners for autonomy, those that like to self-govern and self-rule, and therefore there's no such thing as absolute truth. It's preference over truth. 
Now, those things frustrate me because I believe that has led to the moral decline that is currently happening in our society today. And the moral decline concerns me greatly. It concerns me greatly. You know, gradually, the unthinkable has become tolerable. The tolerable has become acceptable. The acceptable has become praised. And then the praised has become legal. And we see this in nearly every area of society today. And it concerns me greatly. I like how what William Sacker, Reverend William Secker said, He said, to do evil for good is human corruption. To do good for good is civil retribution, but to do good for evil is Christian perfection. Now, the challenge for me there is to look at those who I feel are hating on me and are hindering my development and who I think are causing decline in our society today. And the word that Jesus has for me today is, hey, you're going to be a good Samaritan? Don't just help those who share similar thoughts, feelings, beliefs, and opinions as yourself. It includes those who don't. It includes those who may have opposed you, those who may have hurt you, those who may hate you, those who don't want you to thrive, flourish, and be all you can be in Jesus' name. That's the challenge that I feel from this parable. And I wonder where it's at for you. You know, I'd be... Shocked if some of you or one of you were to tell me that at no point in your life have you not been hurt by someone else, have not experienced friction from someone else, have not been falsely accused by someone else. Maybe you feel like someone else dislikes you, resents you, maybe even hates you. would be very shocked if one of you were to say to me, that's never been a part of my story. Now, some of you, by the grace of God, have been able to unpack that. You've been able to move on and, and uh, you know, lead a full and productive life in Jesus' name. But for others, I wonder if that's still, you know, digging at your heart right now. You know, one of the best ways to deal with situations like that is to firstly pray for our enemies, is to love them, is to, you know, pray for the God's best in their lives to celebrate their achievements and celebrate all that they are experiencing in Jesus' name. In fact, one of the best ways we can overcome some of the bitterness and some of the hurt that we feel towards other people is by serving them. In fact, research and studies have shown that when you serve someone, when you give somebody the most simplest thing like a drink or whatever it might be, you know, it actually increases your love and adoration for that person. Which means, if you've got a beef with someone, go and give them something simple. Drink, buy them a coffee. But if I get like 10 coffees after the service today, that'd be like really awkward. So just <laughs> g- g- give me like a week or two, and then you can start buying me those coffees when you hand me my holiday voucher. Um, am I making sense though? I think the point of this parable is yes. You know, Jesus is, is, is using an unclean half-breed as an example of, of what those who will receive eternal life looks like. And it's because he showed mercy to somebody of difference. Mercy to somebody of difference. I don't know who that is for you. I don't know what God may be speaking to you about in regards to how do you show mercy and love and kindness to somebody with a point of difference. But the beauty of it is, is, is as you do, your love and appreciation for that person will grow and I think you'll be fulfilling what's, 
what's been given in the Good Samaritan. I'm going to invite the band to come up right now, if, uh, if that's okay. And, and, and as they do, I, I just want to finish with this question. Where do you see yourself in this story? Right? If you're anything like me, you know, I look at these parables and I'm like, okay, the priest and the Levite, nah, I don't want to be like that. And uh, I see some of myself there, so God help me with that. Or I may look at the Good Samaritan and be like, you know what? I am going to increase my support of ministries and programs and causes that are helping others uh, who desperately need. You know, I, I kind of look at things that way. And I don't know if you see yourself in the shoes of the priest and the Levite or the Samaritan and you look at it and you're like, man, you know what? All I need to do now is go and do likewise and everything will be sweet. And in fact, that's what Jesus says. After he uses this example, he asked the experts in the law, out of the three, who was the better neighbor? And it was the one who acted in mercy. You know, and then Jesus says, go and do likewise. Be merciful, especially to those with a point of difference. But if you're anything like me, I look at, you know, stories and teachings, and I'm like, all right, God, what do I have to do from this day forward, you know, to be a better Christian, to honor you more? I move immediately into this works mentality right? Where unless I get it right, or if I don't get it right, you know, man, God's going to be disappointed. He's going to cut me off. He's going to throw me out, blah, 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 blah. It's a challenge when you look at things that way. But this morning, I want to make another suggestion to us all as we land this message and begin moving into uh, the rest of our morning. And as you consider where you are in the story, can I suggest that all of us in this room can find ourselves in the place of the man who was beaten and left for dead on the road. Right? As we we go through life and as we are constantly confronted with the sin that is in our world, with the way that it has impaired all of creation by creating within us this bent towards self-governing and selfishness and self-accumulation, as we decide we're going to live life our way and not God's way, and as we live in a world that's been impaired by sin, and if we live that out by making our own choices and giving no care or concern for God and, and just you know enjoying the things of the world and moving through life with this us and their mentality, as we do that, You know, I wonder if at times we feel beaten, broken, and hurt because of either our sin or the sins of those around us. And as a result of sin, yeah, I wonder if at times we just feel like, you know, we're sprawled out on the ground, beaten, broken, lonely, left for dead, without a hope in the world. Can I suggest that at one point or another, we've all been in that position, And I wonder if there are some here today who still feel like they're in a position where sin has beaten them, broken them, and they're just laid out on the ground, half dead, hoping someone is not going to walk by, but instead offer a hand and be a good Samaritan. Today, Jesus is your neighbor. Jesus is your eternal life. What must we do to inherit eternal life? accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. And when we do, He takes our hand, He heals our wounds, He pours oil and wine on them, 
He sets us free. He puts us on a path that's going to honor Him and it's going to be a fulfillment of all that God has in store for you. Jesus won't pass you by today. He won't pass you by today. He's got His hand stretched out saying, Here I am. Jump to your feet. Let me dust you off. There's no us in them anymore. You're on team, Jesus. Hey, can we close our eyes across the church this morning? And I just want to speak to those who feel like their sin or the sins of others has beaten them and broken them down. Maybe you feel like you're just laying there on the ground, left for dead. Now this morning, Jesus is saying to you, here's my hand. Let me help you up. Walk with me. I want to love you. Now, if you've not made a decision to take the hand of Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior at any point in your life, why don't you raise your hand right now? Because I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to pray that, you know, God will take you and he will lead you. If that's you, you just want me to pray for you. Why don't you just pop your hand up in the sky right now? No one's looking around and that wouldn't matter either because we'd just cheer you on. If you want to take the hand of Jesus for the first time, or perhaps you've fallen away and you need to grab it again, if that's you, why don't you put your hand high in the sky and I'm going to pray for you this morning. I see one hand of one young man. I see another hand of another young lady toward the back. Anyone else here this morning that just says, you know what, I feel beaten, I feel broken. Thank you, I see that hand there too. If you put your hand up, you can pop it down. I've got a great memory. I know where you are. Anyone else here today that just needs to take the hand of Jesus and say, help me here today, God. Help me here today. That's cool. Hey, if you did raise your hand this morning uh, and your eyes are closed, why don't you just repeat this prayer after me? You can pray it in your heart or, or out loud. It's entirely up to you. But right where you are, why don't you just repeat this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sin. Forgive me of all sin. Take my hand. Heal my heart, I pray. I invite your Holy Spirit to live in me forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's why I love this job, man. That's why I love this job. People responding to God's love for them. That's why I love this. It's not a job. It's a calling. Can we put our hands together for those who have responded in that way? In less than 20 seconds, a member of our welcome team have just got a little gift that we are just going to give you. So why don't we all stand this morning? Let's all stand as we close with a song. Jesus, you have won me. You have set me free. He is our neighbor. He is our savior. He is our eternal life. Let's just, let's just give thanks to Jesus this morning. Come on, let's sing. We hope you've been blessed by this message from Gateway Baptist Church. We're a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.